0: McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He
1: said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try
2: the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards.
1: I'm here with
2: Joseph and Carla Perry. They've been in the ministry trenches for a number of years. The Holy Spirit is using them powerfully as they're prophesying over people, equipping people, and empowering them in the prophetic ministry, how to hear God's voice. And they have are published authors with Carla's current book, The Reformation of America by Morningstar Ministries. And Joseph has the Go book, which disciples people and equips you to become a disciple within 12 weeks. 12 weeks, you can become a disciple maker. Wow, that's amazing! And Joseph is here in in the studio with me. And the last time we talked, we talked about the fivefold ministry, and I'm excited for what God is doing in him and through him in this day and this hour. What is the Holy Spirit currently doing through your ministry, Joseph? The big thing that he has had me doing
0: lately and focusing on is uh, helping people understand the fivefold, especially wanting to um, work with more pastors and churches on that, because if they understand the distinctions. Between the fivefold, which ones they are, which ones they're not, it'll change literally everything about their ministry because each fivefold gift has its own lens. That lens creates—it's like a it creates a wine skin. It creates like a it creates the value system, and every value system creates sort of a, a culture around it pastors care more about different things than apostles prophets care about certain things more than the teachers do they all have their own thing and so kind of in a church or ministry whoever is at the helm you know whoever's steering the ship is determining where that ship is going to go what that church is going to look like it's not that one is better than the other but we have to bring all five together again and if we have that within an apostolic paradigm then we'll be able to the church will become more healthy uh, and more effective than it's ever been. It'll take care of the people on the inside, and it'll take care of people on the outside. It'll look after the souls of individuals and after the souls of cities and nations. So that's what we're
2: going back toward. The apostolic ministry is something that I've been introduced to, I think, in the last 20 years. And the prophetic ministry, I I believe, has a restoration since the 1980s. When would you say that the apostolic and the fivefold is culminating... Like when did that begin? When did that transition for the church start? Yeah, you're right.
0: Um so the office of the prophet, if you want to call it that, the ministry of prophets and their their role, their place in the church started being restored back to the church, like you said, around the eighties. So definitely started in the eighties, more in the nineties, and so it was pretty well they were much more recognized. Obviously, there's whole portions of the church where they are still not recognized or, or even believed in. But uh, especially in more of the, you know, you have your word camp, you know, and your spirit camp. Sort of sort of like your Baptist camp and your Pentecostal ca- camp almost. And so the Pentecostal church uh, obviously was more ready to embrace the prophets being restored back. The apostles, on the other hand started being restored back uh, more around the 90s. A lot more books started coming out about 20 years ago, um, you know, early 2000. And, but, you know, when I was learning about it late 90s, uh, there was very little written about it. And so God help all the people called to apostolic ministry. There wasn't anything for them to, there wasn't much to read. There wasn't much to learn from. And so now they're starting to, there's, there's a lot more clarity. There's a lot more recognition. There's a lot of, a lot more high profile apostolic leaders out there that people are becoming familiar with. And so that's kind of giving them handles on this idea of what an apostle is, what they do, what they bring to the church. But there's still a lot of misunderstanding around that. And uh, the Bible is the best place to see that. And of course, uh, having studied it for the last 20 years so much, and then uh, having been around it, been around people like that, uh, learning from apostolic leaders and prophetic leaders, been, and, and just experiencing so much, I've learned a lot through observation as well as just reading the Bible.
2: I hope you're enjoying this podcast of Adventures in the Spirit, but we're going to take a brief break right now to give you an opportunity to hear about a resource that
1: we have to offer you from Fireborn Ministries. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples the great commission, promising them the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit as your teacher, Jared Lasky developed a new Bible study journaling system that is sure to equip you in your adventure with God. The Spirit-Empowered Journal offers life-changing steps that will enhance your biblical studies. This journal will not only help you know how God spoke in the scripture, but also what he is speaking to you now. This is an incredible approach to Bible study, empowering your spiritual journey. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit and understanding of the scriptures will increase as you use the Spirit-Empowered Journal. Buy your paperback copy on Amazon.com or FirebornMinistries.com.
2: So the apostolic, you'd mention what they do. So if I'm an outsider and I'm looking in, what does the apostle bring, the modern day apostle bring? To the body of Christ,
0: in a lot of ways, I would say that they bring alignment with the kingdom. So, we have kind of these ideas of of what the kingdom is, and, and we were discussing earlier that we tend to live from earth toward heaven, uh, whereas the apostles help us see that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You read that in Ephesians chapter uh, 1 and 2, and so that we're seated with Christ in heaven, in heavenly places. So the apostles help us to kind of see that and really understand what that means and how that has what what the practical implications are that we're living not toward heaven, but from heaven. It changes everything. It changes how we do spiritual warfare. It changes um, uh, how we how we live our lives. Apostles are like the fathers of the church. So, um, you know, If you think about a normal family, normal families have fathers and mothers and children. I mean, that's essentially what they are. And apostles are the fathers uh, in the church or of the church, you could say. So in the same way that a, a dad brings stability to a home and to their kids, making that feel that making those kids feel safe and secure and protected, um, the apostles bring kind of a stability to the church that it's lacking. And I think in a lot of ways, when we talk about, you know, the what called in the church the orphan spirit, I think a lot of that has to do with there not being apostles in the church. Not just the idea that God... Not not just not being aware that God is our Father, but having apostolic leaders in the church who are saying, listen, here's who you are. You know, because without apostolic leaders, without dads in the church and helping speak identity over the church, and this is who you are, we're kind of like... You know, floundering, trying to figure out who we are. You know, like young teenagers. You know, there's lots of rebellion. There's lots of all kinds of stuff going on because we don't know who we are. And so, apostles help the church mature. And if you read Ephesians 4:11 through 16, you'll see that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers five different gifts. It says to equip the the saints for the work of the ministry and to help them mature into the full measure of Christ. So if you take any one of those five gifts away, the church is not going to be fully equipped for the ministry and is not going to fully grow up uh, into the full maturity of Christ. And so while prophets were restored back into the, to the church in the 80s and 90s, and mo- many churches are starting to accept that and the ministry and impact that they bring, uh, apostles are kind of the last ones. And so the Lord's doing it, and that's exciting, but we need to we need some handles on it. Um, I'm currently writing a book on this that I'm hoping to, I'm trying to finish this year and, and really it's next year on the fivefold, providing an apostolic framework so that, because when you have a framework, then that gives you something that you can think with, you can think within the context of that framework. So that's what we're going
2: for. You, you mentioned alignment. So apostles align the other ministries and the, the full body of Christ within the church. Are apostles supposed to be connected to other apostles and networks?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, they should definitely be connected with other apostles. And most apostles want that. I would say any any true uh mature believer wants to be connected with other believers. Um and so as often as possible, I mean absolutely everybody should be mentored or fathered, you know, by somebody else in the faith who's especially those who are walking, you know, a similar line as you, you know. Uh pastors need to be trained by their pastors. Um, but they should be influenced and impacted by all the other fivefold members as well. But apostles, there are there are actually lots of I don't know how many, but there are several coalitions of apostles uh, uh, where they are able to to come together to talk about what the Lord's doing, to sharpen each other, and in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's kind of like pastors. You know, I pastored my wife and I pastored for eleven years and uh uh our church specifically i I was a pastor long much longer than that and um and so during that time, we realized there were some conversations that only other pastors understood, but that's the same with prophets, you know prophets need that with other prophets, apostles need that with other apostles, so a lot of times they form these coalitions so that they can all kind of connect that way.
2: Yeah. I know I'm part of the Virginia Beach coalition international young apostles and prophets. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Time Foch put that together, and I believe in having companies of prophets, companies of apostles. But through your studies, what are the biblical signs of an apostle?
0: Jack Deere uh, was a theologian who got filled with the spirit, and he did a he did a teaching i would and I'd rather refer to him almost on this. So he did a, he did a study, and, and there were things that he talked about, and I'll just mention a couple of them. There were kind of five, I think there were like five main things. I don't even know if I remember them all offhand. Uh, but he talked about how apostles, and now you got to understand, he would say apostles in the truest sense of that word, in the fullest sense, um, that they were operating uh, in the highest revelation that God was pouring out at that time that they were uh, so that was one one way that a apo- that the apostle was um moving in the highest uh, level of miracles signs and wonders that was being poured out at that time and so obviously that language is that shows you that there are things that that God is unfolding, and he gives to the church in pieces. The church is supposed to be a movement. We've made it more like a museum or you a know, mere institution. But without apostles, it can't be a movement. So apostles being sort of the fathers of, those, of that movement called the church, uh, they should be operating in... The highest levels of of miracles, the highest revelation, uh, because they're kind of receiving stuff and uh, on behalf of the whole church so they can equip the church in those things so that the church can come up to higher level. So so those were some of the things. uh, One of the last things, I think the last one he mentioned, was the suffering that an apostle went through. It's not just any suffering, it's especially suffering for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the ministry. And so you can see that in the scriptures, I think it was 2 Corinthians 11 maybe, when Paul is trying to deal with the false apostles uh, that the Corinthians had become familiar with. And he's saying, "You guys are, you know, just let them slap you on your face and, and treat you harshly." And you know, Paul obviously came as a father who, you know, was loving and tender and, and cared for them. And he, and so he started to say, "Listen, you know, the way the." These guys are appealing to the abundance of their revelations or this or that or the other. And he's saying, you guys are letting them treat you harshly because of all their claims. And he's saying, he says, if you think these guys are doing this, I'm doing it far more. If you think they're doing this, I'm doing it far more. And then he says, but you know what? jesus wouldn't talk like i'm talking to you right now he wouldn't brag about this stuff like that's i'm not doing it the right way he says let me tell you about real apostleship and i'm paraphrasing obviously and he starts to point to all that he's suffered and he talks about how many shipwrecks he's been in he talks about how many times he's been flogged i'm in danger in the city danger in the country danger from believers and unbelievers i mean literally everybody you know i'm just dealing i'm i've got conflict on all sides that we're you know to this present hour we're both you you know naked and hungry and poor and it's like we're dealing with all this stuff and so that's what he's pointing to versus apostleship but what you have to realize is that whether you're an apostle prophet evangelist pastor or teacher and and only a handful of people are any of those because most people are not called as equippers but whatever you're called to there is um there's the call and there's the commission uh the commissioning where you're kind of released as that. And there's usually 15 to 20 years minimum of your preparation time between the time you recognize the call of God on your life and the time you actually get commissioned. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. I think even Jesus went through a period of that where at 12 years old, he's recognizing what his father's business is, and he starts to do the work, talking with the religious leaders, and we don't hear from him for 18 years. And then suddenly he's ready for ministry. You know, so we see it with everybody. So when we talk about the signs of an apostle, uh, uh, the the attributes, we have to understand that they may not be operating in a lot of it now, but it, they might only be two years into their call and they're still getting ready for their commissioning, which might be another 15, 20 years down the road. So they might be operating in a little bit of revelation, a little bit of suffering, a little bit of this, and they'll eventually get there if, if... They get mentored properly, and they submit themselves to God in the midst of the process.
2: Yeah, I believe that God is more concerned with character than with charisma. And even in the body of Christ now, I think that's a message we need to take to heart. I know some people are a little more antsy and wanting to be released into their ministry, but what if God wants them to incubate, if that's the right word, a little while longer Mm -hmm. so that he could work on their character? Because, in one way or another, I believe that the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. And mm-hmm. we're moving from glory to glory. And what the body of Christ has next, I believe, is moving towards the fivefold ministry team. And so, for the, the 21st century, for 2020 and beyond, what do you think that fivefold kingdom ministry will look like, or will it look like anything? Will it look like the current package we have in the church, or is it going to be completely revolutionary?
0: I think the uh, the phrase in which I could sum it all up is: uh, it will be a family on a mission. It will actually be a lot of families on a mission. Apostles have missions; they have assignments. Pastors build families, uh, communities. So pastors are always taking care of the you know what's going on inside the church, and apostles are making sure that those people inside the church not just get healed and learn to love, which is the bedrock for you know everything we're doing, but they're making sure that people live on assignment, that they recognize that that their mission is a part of the Great Commission, that the whole church is you know uh, is receiving has received from christ and so understanding that we're in community but we also have an assignment to go out and disciple not just individuals but disciple nations holistically touching every part of society like you know if you think about it you know we talk about uh the kingdom of god is like leaven uh it only takes a little bit which leavens the whole lump and uh so in the same way in the just like the kingdom, sin is also like leaven. So it's kind of worked its way into all of society. Um, so sin doesn't just hasn't just affected my soul, and and now I need to be saved. It's it's affected all the work of our hands. It's affected how we do government. It's affected how we do education. And all these things. So, the only way to work those things out of society is to work the kingdom of God into all society. So, while miracles and signs and wonders and all this stuff is amazing and it's a part of the apostolic church, ultimately the church needs to understand that their work is mission, that they have an assignment and it's to creatively bring the gospel to wherever they're called. So, the church is the level of effectiveness uh, of being salt and light to the world is going to go to another level i mean like way like the church is going to be way more effective than it's ever been in apostolic churches so there's a difference between let's say a church and a tribe if you look at the old testament you'll see there are 12 tribes uh, of israel and each tribe was made up of lots and lots of families I believe that's a picture of where the church is moving to even now that the Lord isn't just moving churches into denominations uh, with you know presidents of denominations but he's actually moving churches I believe he's gathering them all up into apostolic networks so pastors lead families apostles lead tribes and so uh, an apostle might be a pastor in function, but they're leading a tribe which is made up of lots of churches that are gathering around apostolic fathers. And you see this with, you know, Bethel Church, and Bill Johnson, you know, in California, or, you know, John and Carol Arnett, you know, and the uh, who you used to, with uh, Catch the Fire, um, and just see these different groups of Morningstar Ministries that we're a part of. So not every church is going to have an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I don't think there's enough apostles to go around. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is that we're learning from all of them. We're being equipped somehow by all of them. And most importantly, through relationship, we are drawing upon the grace that is on apostles and prophets. And I'll just say this one last thing about that that when you draw on a, the only way you draw on the grace that is on somebody's life uh, through an equipper is through relationship and honoring them. You know, And it's not like you have to like, give up money and <laughs> take up offerings and stuff, but just honoring in your heart, recognizing who they are, what they're called to, what God gave them for you, for the church. That when you do that, it's like they take their lenses, their glasses, their lens off their face, and they hand it to you and say, here, I want, to, I want you to start seeing this the way I see it. Because I can see something, because God gave me an ability to look at things a certain way and at a certain level. And I want to, br- that'll bring you up and help you to break out of having limited vision. And so when we, when we, you know, build relationships with apostles and prophets, Uh, Even pastors, evangelists, and teachers who have been operating on what I believe is maybe 25% of their gift and their calling, they're going to move into 100% capacity, and the effectiveness is going to go to another level. Pastoral burnout is going to become a thing of the past. The frustrations of people trying to carry a gift that, that doesn't belong to them, it's going to go away, and there's going to be a level of just joy and excitement in the church that we've never seen before.
2: Yeah, I believe that I'm looking forward to that. I believe that we're getting tastes of that now. And earlier you'd mentioned that apostles bring in bring alignment into the body of Christ, but also how we see ourselves and the way we do spiritual warfare. We were having coffee in, in my kitchen earlier, so we were on the discussion of spiritual warfare, but your perspective is one I would like for the whole body of Christ to hear when you were mentioning the, the three levels. Mm-hmm. Would you mind expanding on that for our audience?
0: Sure. So I have a teaching that I do, and I usually do it with a whiteboard, which I can't do for you here. But uh, I do a teaching called the three heavens of the prophetic. So when you look at the Bible and we talk about the three heavens, you know, Paul says he, uh, he knew a man who got caught up to the third heaven where the throne of God is. Uh, he heard things that were just inexpressible things he couldn't even talk about and then uh the natural heavens in the bible we know as the as the sky you know the the surface level stuff the things we can see if we just look up and then we know about the second heaven when the bible talks about uh, the devil being the prince of the power of the air so we call that the first level the second level and the third level that's what i call them and it's just a framework for how i understand it and how i can easily make distinctions between those so if you read Ephesians 1, what you'll read is that it'll say, uh, I think it's around verse 20, 22, it says that Jesus was raised up and sealed uh, at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. So, what do we call that? We call that heaven, right? Uh, so, he's seated in heaven. And obviously, it's talking about the spirit realm and everything, but it's not just, it's not where the, the devil rolls. But then, a few verses later, it says that he seated us in heavenly places with him. And so we know that Christ is seated in heaven. It says that we're also seated in heaven. And a lot of times we talk about these things, and we say, well, this is sort of just the legal position of the church. doesn't actually make any difference, but it makes all the difference in the world. So he seated us with him in heavenly places. That means that it affects how we do spiritual warfare so um i knew a, i knew of a pastor one time who used to gather his church together before meetings and what he would say is they would spend a good 30 minutes to an hour before every church service just binding and rebuking the devil right? Because in his mind, they're all conducting spiritual warfare, and they're going to uh, have a much more productive uh, meeting when when the meeting starts. After doing this for, I don't know if it was months or years, uh, the Lord told him, uh, spoke to him one day uh, on his way in, and he said, you know, the devil doesn't mind being rebuked as long as he gets all the attention. After that, he realized that, what he needed to do and so i they just i think they just came in and just started worshiping the lord and and focusing on that and beholding the the beauty and the majesty and the sovereignty of god is actually uh, the highest level of spiritual warfare because it denies the devil a place without having to focus on him the devil would have us think that we're playing this master level game of chess between us and him and uh and we're trying to figure out how to beat him and so that's sort of like that living toward heaven uh model where we feel like he's got the upper hand and and he's really tricky so we have to figure out how to outsmart him and we so when i'm teaching the three heavens of the prophetic you know i just point to the top one and i say you know let people know that we have already been seated in victory over the devil, and so all we have to do is walk out what Christ has already proclaimed for us. So it, it it literally changes everything we do. One of the other things that you'll see a great example of this is in John, I think it's John chapter eleven, the story of Lazarus, uh, the account when Lazarus dies. Jesus is trying to have a conversation with his disciples about this, and he tells them he's he he what he tells them is, listen, Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going to go wake him up. And they said, "Well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better." You know, thinking this is a good thing. He just he just needs some time. If that's all it is. And Jesus finally says, "Okay, Lazarus is dead." Well, so what Jesus did was he he said the same thing from heaven and then he said it from earth right so he said it from heaven lazarus is sleeping jesus tells us later in that passage i am the resurrection you know so it's not just a doctrine it's a person you know it's something he who he is and what he carries so jesus is always trying to talk to his disciples out of heaven from heaven's perspective because from jesus perspective you know we're like uh, the new testament tells us about us that when the saints die we're only sleeping and the resurrection is when we're awakened right But then they don't understand him because they can't hear heavenly things. They can only hear earthly things. So Jesus has to lower the truth of what he's saying down to mere facts. So then he says, okay, Lazarus is dead. See, Lazarus is dead was a fact. It wasn't the truth. The truth is was that Lazarus was only sleeping. So there's a heavenly way of thinking and seeing and speaking about something. And there's an earthly way. And the the heavenly way is more true than the earthly. The superior over the uh, inferior. The spiritual over the natural. And that's why the Bible sometimes seems a little tricky for us. Because Jesus is always talking out of heaven. And we always say, Lord, explain it. Make it simple. Bring it down here. But what does Jesus say? Come up here. I want to show you something. So he's always calling us to come up to hear him rather than saying, listen, I can come down and explain some things to you, but you're going to miss the truth for the facts. So that's kind of what we talk about in the three heaven teaching is learning how to see and to live from heaven
2: rather than the earth. That is awesome. I love that perspective. I look forward to when you make that as an e-course or even as a book. Do you have plans for that? I, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it. I'll be doing a teaching on it at
0: our church, the church that we're a part of. You know, I'm just, I've been teaching from that framework for years and I'm realizing it's a much bigger thing uh, that I need to develop out more into, like you said, a book or, or some sort of course to help
2: people. I think that the body of Christ needs to hear that perspective I think this is the hour for that. I appreciate you coming. I'm honored that you're here for the second interview that we've had in this. And this is the first for Adventures in the Spirit. And you were originally for... Adventures in God. This is going to be on the Charisma Podcast Network. What is the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you or your ministry?
0: Well, you could get a hold of me through our website. We have a discipleship curriculum and that's www.gobook.world. And you can reach me through that uh, website, you know, and then find us on Facebook.
2: And could you share about your Go Book for our audience? Sure.
0: So the Go Book is a, uh, it's called the Go Book Foundations. It's the first of a series that I'm doing. And um, and the, it's the only curriculum that I know of, and of all the people that I've talked to, they've said the same, that can turn a believer, a brand new believer, into a disciple maker in just 12 weeks. So it's literally the script for discipleship. I use the New Living Translation. It's 30% scripture. It has a leader's guide and a student guide. We usually sell them in starter kits with one leader guide, three student guides. So what it does is it covers... You know, pretty much all the first principles, all the basics you need to know if you've never picked up a Bible, never prayed a prayer, never been to a church. It tells you what to do, how to get started, how to pick a translation, all these things. But it helps you understand what the Bible is, what prayer is for, how to grow spiritually. It just touches on the basics, but there are three levels of learning, no matter what you're trying to learn, that you have to go through. So it's level one is acquiring knowledge. Level two is walking that out, actually practicing it and using it. And level three is uh, where you teach it to somebody else. Anytime you teach something, you learn it at another level yourself. But in our churches, and I I say this as a pastor, I've done this, that uh, we don't require, we don't make a way for people to teach what they're learning. And so we're stunting their growth. So if you don't teach what you know, then you're stunting your own growth. So this is a tool that helps facilitate that. Uh, From the very beginning, I've seen eight and nine-year-olds teach it. And I have seen uh, other people teach it. I've heard of Muslims getting saved because somebody took them through it. So it's already having a big impact. And churches could they could mobilize all their people as disciple makers if they would pick it up but it's called the go book foundations the next one i'm doing now is on family that's the one i'm writing now and it's going to talk about god's design for the family for the home distinctions between men and women what is the role of a father the role of a mother the role of a husband the role of a wife all of that
2: that's exciting so, and that website again is yeah, it's www.gobook.world awesome thank you so very much
1: Thank you so much for listening to our conversation in Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit.